0: all right welcome everyone to the ben and Corey podcast i'm your host Corey novotny joined as always by benjamin carlson hey there this week we have not one but two guest co- hosts as uh we have brian wells making his return
1: how's it going guys
0: so if you remember from uh, one of our earliest podcasts we had brian on to preview the MLB season. We're excited to have him back to talk about the playoffs. And we also have Colton Corley. Nice to be here. Uh, Colton is a fellow USC student with Ben and I. He's a big fan of the Niners, so he'll be excited to talk about them as well as help with our baseball playoff coverage. So with that, let's get started.
2: We are now a quarter through the NFL season and there has been lots of excitement and plenty of surprises through the first four weeks of the season. We'll talk about the fast starts for the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, the drama in Pittsburgh surrounding their stars, the increase in roughing the passer and player safety related penalties, and debate which teams are truly playoff contenders and whose hot starts won't last.
3: After a long regular season, The 2018 MLB postseason has arrived with 10 teams looking to bring home a World Series championship. We'll talk about the tight National League division races that came down to 163rd game, potential clashes between 100-win teams in the American League, and give our predictions on who we think will be crowned baseball's world champions at the end of the month.
1: And in honor of Columbus Day, the three of us debate the greatest mistakes ever made in today's Top 5.
0: let's kick things off talking about the nfl we're now four weeks into the season and only two undefeated teams remain we have the los angeles rams the winners of the offseason who have been off to a hot start on both sides of the balls and surprisingly we have the kansas city chiefs who are still 4-0 led by second year quarterback sensation patrick mahomes
2: i was so wrong on mahomes i think i have to start off with that because my biggest complaint about the Chiefs offseason was that they went away from, you know, pro bowl caliber uh, Alex Smith and Mahomes has been everything that they said he'd be and more. I uh, I just have to eat crow on that. He's been amazing.
3: Yeah, I'd, I would have to go off of that. Um, I'm an Alex Smith fan. He used to play for the Niners, and like the whole situation with him and Kaepernick, you know, it was kind of sad to see him go because I still thought that he had some potential. So to see him do well in Kansas City for me was kind of like a, a rewarding thing, and like I always cheered him on a little bit. And uh, to see them switch from him now on and have him be on the Redskins and for them to bring up Patrick Mahomes, I thought it was quite an odd decision. But um, after seeing his first couple starts and – after seeing him roll over the forty ers I'm convinced he he might be the next generational talent at quarterback.
1: Looks like I'm the only one who's not really an Alex Smith fan. I thought <clears throat> I thought it was the right decision to move on from him and uh, put in Mahomes, in, and he's been pretty spita- pretty spectacular. Like throwing six touchdowns versus versus the Pittsburgh Steelers was one of the highlights of the entire year so far.
0: Yeah, I definitely doubted Mahomes coming into the season. I thought that if mahomes played well uh the chiefs had enough offensive weapons that they could be looking at a a 12-win team and a a serious contender i think that they were they had the option to to easily be better than the rest of the teams in the division and uh, mahomes has definitely gone them off to a fast start but they're not the only team as the rams are also sitting at 4-0 jared goff coming off a 158.3 perfect passer rating against the vikings on thursday night football and they are a team that made a lot of moves in the offseason. And it looks like uh, all their trades and free agency acquisitions are paying off.
2: Look, they're uh, they're in a good position right now, obviously undefeated, but they're also by far the best team in their division. I don't think they'll have any trouble uh, making it into the postseason. And obviously, we're only a quarter of the way through the season, but they should they, sh- they can already start looking forward to how they're going to make it further than they did last year in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they look they've looked really good on especially on offense with with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and and the addition of Brandon Cooks like with the trade with the Patriots and and then defensively even though they've lost Talib for probably like 2 months of the season like they they still have Marcus Peters they still have Aaron Donald they still have Sue it's, it's still an incredible defense to worry about. My my question is I I have been
2: seeing so much hate for John Gruden about the Clomac trade that's fine, you know. Like Klumac has been everything you could possibly want a defensive player. But how come people aren't giving the Patriots crap about letting go of Brandon Cooks? He's he's an amazing wide receiver, and everyone's like,
1: eh, you know. Let it, eh. I don't. But I he, don't, he's been. I don't think amazing fantastic is the right he word goes. for Brandon Cooks. I mean, like, yeah, he's a he's a deep threat. But I think getting a first round pick, like twenty third overall pick, even though Isaiah Wynn is now out for the season from injuring his Achilles in the preseason, I still. I was still in favor of that trade. I just think like it was weird that people like Patriots fans um gave him that much crap for an a thousand yard season. I think maybe the expectations were too high, especially after uh Edelman um got injured in the last preseason. So I mean I was in favor of the trade. I, I Yeah,
2: well, I don't know. Like he, he it just seems like he can't please the teams he's with, no matter how well he plays. I mean he he was great for the Saints too, and they sent him to the Patriots. And uh, then the Patriots send him there. I'm happy for him because he's doing so well in this offense and and they're going to go places. I mean,
3: I would say uh, something to look at with that trade that happened was, um, you know, we all know Bill Belichick is a a huge system guy. Like if you don't fit his mold for what he wants, he will kick you out as soon as he can. I mean, we saw that with with many players in the past. Um, Most recently. um, Oh, gosh, why am I blanking? Malcolm Butler. Um, and it's just, that could have been the scenario there where even though he was performing, he was doing well, there was still a little bit of friction and in that locker room, it's their way or the highway. So like that could have been the case too. Um, but it's really interesting to see him do this well on a heavy receiver head in a team that has a heavy receiving core at the moment and still be a really good offensive threat. I mean, I have him on two of my fantasy teams and he's been tearing it up for me. So like, I'm a huge fan at this point, but also when he plays the 49ers, I'd I'll have to root against him and bench him. But other than that, yeah, he's I'm gonna, all for it.
1: Bench him. <laughs> Your versus fantasy the teams niners? are going to good.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, so while we're on the topic of wide receivers and the Patriots, how about we move on to the defending AFC champions, just two and two second year in a row. Uh, Brian, you're a big Patriots fan. Are you ready to push the panic button or does this last one over the Dolphins have you thinking uh ah, it's back to the the old Patriot way of being the the Super Bowl contender favorite in the AFC regardless of their record?
1: No, the Dolphins suck. <laughs> but I wouldn't <laughs> but I wouldn't push the panic <laughs> button like just yet, but um when they face Kansas City on Sunday night in week 6, they're going to get killed. But I think they're still a playoff team just because the AFC is just so bad and especially their division. I mean, like the Jets are probably going to finish second with a rookie quarterback, but um, their defense still looks the same as last year. I mean, like they they usually get off the slow starts, but I mean, I don't, they didn't really improve much like in the offseason. I mean, I know they drafted like Duke Dawson out of Florida, but he's on IR and uh, they didn't Really replace Butler with anybody? I mean, they have, yeah they have Jason McCourty, but he hasn't really done much, and I I think he's really on the only on the team just because his brother's there, and um and the the two losses, especially versus Detroit, Dante Hightower looked looked old. He I think a lot of that is because of his injury, and um I don't know what else they can do. Like if they can trade for trade for anybody at the, at the deadline or not.
2: People love to ring the bell and say like this is it the Bill Belichick Tom Brady era is ending they 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 suck now and uh I don't I don't buy it it's early in the season uh talk to me if they miss the playoffs they're not going to miss the playoffs they got... they're, they're
1: not going to miss Yeah the playoffs.
2: exactly exactly and so and then when you get to the playoffs I think people put way too much uh weight on the roster and not as much on the play calling and Bill Belichick for my money is still the best coach in this league uh, so as long as they can get him and Tom Brady into the playoffs, I'm not worried about how the Patriots are gonna do. So I, I'm I'm not even thinking about hitting the panic button if I'm a Patriots fan. I think this is just it's the Patriots.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with Ben on this one. I mean the Patriots. Yeah, it might have been a slow start, but you just went into your most previous game and whooped the crap out of a team that was riding really hot into that game. Um, for you, that's got to be like a not like i guess if people were freaking out it's kind of a reality check of we're still good we just had a hot team come in we beat the crap out of them the panic is not there yet we need to just settle it in and dial it in and just stay focused and i really think they'll they'll start to get on a roll soon here and as much as i hate to say that because i'm very anti-patriots um i still <laughs> think every year it's like they have Tom Brady. You automatically have to consider them for the playoffs, and you can't just count them out at this point. It's way too early. Well,
2: Cor- Corey, I want to turn the tables on you and talk about another <laughs> hot AFC team and, uh, see, and see if you're reaching maybe for the panic button after the, uh, the start the Steelers have had.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't think you, you can look at the Steelers' start and have the same reaction that Patriots fans have. So the Steelers are 1-2-1. and one tied with the Browns, got lit up by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at home. They came out and were all over Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football before just going, you know, completely disappearing in the second half. The only reason why they were able to hold on is because they had such a big halftime lead. And then this past week, uh, after falling behind the Ravens, 14-0, to, to come back and have that momentum going in the second half and then still go scoreless in the last two quarters, uh, I definitely think it's time to start looking at the panic button for the Steelers. Uh, we did get some news that Le'Veon Bell says he's going to come back during the team's bye week in week seven, but there's also been trade talks around him. And, you know, I, I think there's just so many areas to point to with this team, and it starts at the top of the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah
2: is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat at all
0: absolutely yeah yeah I definitely think that a lot of this comes down to discipline uh you can question whether you start with the coordinators but it's been 10 years since Tomlin has won a Super Bowl it's been eight years since he's gotten there and he's had all the talent in the world
1: I'm kind of with so, Terry Bradshaw that like he's not really an X's and O's guy like he's more of a like kind of a like just the motivational type of coach or a player's coach as like they're, they like to refer yep. to.
0: Yep. That's how he is. Um, yeah. um,
3: I guess my, my thought on it is the Steelers are starting to have an aging defense as witnessed by the total destruction of the chiefs on them. And it's starting to show really too, that the Steelers could be possibly a team that, you know, as soon as that winning culture slows down and stops, um, it could really start to implode because, you know, they've had problems in the past, but they've gotten through it because of the fact that they win. And for them, that's their, their glue. That's what's always kept them together. And to see that start to go could mean the end of this dynasty of the Steelers. That might be a slightly warm take, but I, I do think that if the struggles continue and they miss out on the playoffs, like this could be the beginning of the end for this current dynasty.
2: Le'Veon's coming back to save the season. Believe it. <laughs> we'll see. Is that
0: like you know, I, I still don't think that uh, the Steelers need to pay Le'Veon Bell $15 million to be a winning team. But with their current defense, I don't know if they're going to be able to shell out that money to other guys and have them step in. Because they tried doing that and it really has not worked. So um, I'm excited about the possibility of Bell coming back. And really hope that he's not just showing up to start collecting his money and is just going to be inactive all season or even end up getting traded because to me I was hoping that the Series would be able to trade Bell for Earl Thomas who is uh, unhappy with the situation in Seattle but he just broke his leg which you know kind of tells you why he was having his uh, contract dispute in the first place such a sad so. thing thing
1: to see yeah yeah it was opinion. nice seeing Not... him flipping <laughs> off his own team like that you see yeah. uh... well, just,
2: especially as a niners fan oh I yeah i was really happy to that was see that. wonderful to watch yeah. uh
3: pete carroll afterwards uh too, actually kind of supported uh earl thomas's decision to flip off the rest of the team because he understood his frustration the fact that like you know this guy was complaining about he needs a better contract in case he gets injured and in case these things happen, and then, boom, he starts the season, trusts the team in playing, and gets injured, and now he's stuck in the hole. And it's, it's really an unfortunate situation to see, and there's got to be some turnaround on the types of contracts that are going out around in the NFL to where there are many injuries happening, and you know players are kind of getting shafted at the moment compared to other sports like the NBA or the MLB. So it's really something to look at.
0: Yeah, that's something we discussed on the last episode. Um, I don't think that we're going to see changes until the CBA expires in 2021, but we could be seeing very wholesale changes and potential for uh, more lockouts and player strikes at that time.
2: Yeah, Richard Sherman already guaranteed a lockout. And he's usually right about that stuff.
0: Yep. Uh, And while, while we're talking about Richard Sherman, let's talk about his new team, the 49ers. So... Going into this season, a lot of hype and excitement around quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo went 5-0 last season to uh, finish 2017 as a starter, and uh, the, the 49ers received some unfortunate news week three when he tore his ACL against the Kansas City Chiefs and is now done for the season. So Ben and Colton, you're both 49ers, guys. What are your thoughts now on the rest of the 2018 Niners football season?
3: You know, I'm, I'm bummed. Um, it really does suck. He's our highest paid man. So there's all that money out the window and he's got a bright career ahead of him that might be dimmed a little bit now because of the possibility of this injury causing problems in the future. And it, it really does suck from that standpoint to see all of that happen. And it, it really was a blow. Um, but I think we're really undervaluing the rest of the progress that's being made by the team. Um, We have a young defense that's finally starting to gel a little bit. We have multiple first round draft picks that have been used in the past years that are finally kind of like playing together, finding the rhythm and are really starting to, to gel on top of the fact that we now have offensive weapons that are really starting to shine as well. I mean, Matt Breed has had a good year so far. George Kittle looks like the breakout tight end of the season, and I'm in love with that because I took him in all my leagues as well, um, expecting that. And uh, I think Dante Pettis, too, will really start to, to shine in the next year or two um, as a deep threat because he's just big, he's quick, and uh, he really has that ability to him. Um, and to kind of, like, overlook the rest of the team, um, and say that they could still do a good job of keeping us in it uh, would be, I think, a mistake. But also, it's definitely understandable to dim the uh, expectations for this team going forward for the rest of the season now. But I do believe that uh, C.J. Bethard can still hold it together. I think he's very competent, especially with another year under his belt of learning the system. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I still have a little bit of optimism. But you know, it's obviously much less than it was before.
2: Yeah, it's 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 almost like we're going back to last season, except uh now you still have that underlying hope where you're like, oh we we couldn't we went three and out again. Well, at least we have Jimmy next year. You know, <laughs> it's just like a little bit more optimism to it. But I'll tell you this: we have a much better offensive line this season. Uh, we have a whole bunch of players who are now in their second year of the Kyle Shanahan offense. Which I don't know, it's a little bit of a Niners bias, but just think back to his time uh with the Falcons. This, this man could put together an offense. Uh, so having second-year CJ Beathard behind an improved offensive line with improved weapons around him, obviously we'd love to have Jarek McKinnon. To I mean, the Niners have suffered some ridiculous injuries this year. It's really like pretty unfair to expect much out of the team at this point with the hits we've taken. But uh, this is the way I look at it: every win is a you know a moral victory and say, look, Kyle Shanahan can put together a win even without his star players. But every loss gets us closer to a better draft pick which the Niners their defense while improving is still a huge weakness but i think that D line could be elite if they had if we had an actual edge rush uh and the uh the young man Nick Bosa despite taking an injury this uh recently uh he'll likely be at the top of the draft in the next season if the Niners play bad enough uh <laughs> they might just be able to secure themselves an elite pass rusher uh so that's the way I'm looking at this. Nick Bosa tank for Nick Bosa, honestly. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, and, and we might be having a completely different conversation next season when the Niners, uh, are, are contending for this division.
1: If they keep in, uh, Mr. Beat hard, they can definitely get the top pick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. see he he, he, he might pretty, surprise you.
0: He looked good against the chargers. Um, I think if I'm the Niners, I'm definitely looking toward next season. And I agree. Hoping for a guy like Nick Bosa and Oliver to join the team and, 2019, have Jimmy G, maybe Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, le- lots of uh health concerns this year. So I was really looking I'm forward, definitely forward to
1: not... the Marquise Goodwin Jimmy G connection this year. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was disappointing not only is Jimmy G out with an ACL injury, but Marquise Goodwin hasn't even, like, he's barely touched the field this year.
3: Yep.
0: Mm hmm. So definitely not rushing uh, to the, the phones to hit up the Cardinals for Sam Bradford if I'm the oh, Niners. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Please, no. Can we, okay. So. Really
2: quick, because we, we got to keep this moving, but really quick, Sam Bradford is an absolute thief. He's a with the way that he yes. he's, <laughs> he has gotten paid so much money to do nothing. And uh, I don't know whether to hate him or to respect him for hate it. Hate him. Uh, because now he's the third <laughs> string in Arizona with all that money. I, I just, yeah. I don't. I just wanted to make sure we got that on there before we move on. Yeah. Him and Jay Cutler <laughs> so, are just
1: sitting on a pile of money accomplishing absolutely yep. nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So while we're talking about Bradford, he signed $20 million contract to be the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Week four, rookie Josh Rosen had already taken over for him. Sam Darnold, we talked about last time. He was the only one who started week one, but we've already had Josh Allen take over for Peterman in Buffalo. And uh tyrod taylor get injured and baker mania has taken over in cleveland so now we have four rookie quarterbacks who are the team starters with lamar jackson getting significant playing time in baltimore even though he's a backup so what are your guys thoughts on the rookie
3: quarterback so far and what do we think going forward this season you know um i would just say there's just so much as a fan of the sport I can't just keep help thinking that I'm like a, a kid on Christmas right now watching all these quarterbacks start playing. Um, although there's a lot of time to tell before they're, they would be elite or busts, um, just seeing all these guys playing and doing well week in, week out, uh, mistakes or not, you know, it, it's really exciting to see because – after so many years of like seeing Roethlisberger and Brady and Rodgers and Cutler, I, sorry, I went there, you know, Flacco, Flacco maybe, um, but just like all these old quarterbacks that you know are elite but are getting towards the end of their careers, seeing that new injection of talent really is just something exciting for the sport, in my opinion.
1: I would not include Cutler in that list. Of quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just trying to think of old quarterbacks. <laughs> no, it no, doesn't. That was my okay. go-to. <laughs> No, but I don't. I don't really have much of an opinion on the you know the rookie quarterbacks right now. It's just it's just such a like it's only been four games like into the season like and I mean all of them have actually gotten time like surprisingly I I didn't think all four of them would be like when I say all four I mean Mayfield Rosen, uh Josh Allen and um uh, Sam Darnold but I didn't think I didn't think all four of them would get starting time right away but.
2: Um, even Jackson's gotten on the field a few like yeah. actually regularly. Oh yeah, Lamar
1: well, Jackson's even gotten playing time with like when they take out Flacco and decide to run the Wildcat. But yeah, like um I think I think one thing to look forward to is that um like the Thursday night game we saw with the Jets and Browns even though it looked ugly at first, um it was actually like one of the better Thursday night games I've seen in a while, like and um I think that's one of the reasons why they've uh the n f l has tried to uh put in the roughing the passer rule and to play more often even though it looks it's looked terrible so far especially for clay matthews but um it's a star driven league so it's hopefully some hopefully all four of them could uh have good careers yeah no,
2: that's that's a great segue Brian, into our next uh topic here which is the roughing the passer calls um which i think everyone can say some of them have been ridiculous. Um, but like you said, they're trying to protect some of the stars that are in this league. Um, I actually, I saw a really interesting tweet from uh, Richard Sherman, because Richard Sherman, as you guys know, is not one to hide his opinions. He's got a, he likes to to run off at the mouth and also tweet a lot. Um, and he says, my question is, why won't they put flags on the quarterbacks? They would rarely hit the ground then. Guys would be able to grab the flags and that would be a sack. Guys are losing thousands of dollars just doing their job. Something has to change. And honestly, is that where this is headed? Are we going to eventually just say, like, there should, we don't have to confuse this anymore. Don't knock the quarterback down.
0: Yeah, you're basically just uh, keeping the the red practice jersey on him and doing that. Uh, based on the way that the the rules have gone, it's like every single time there's a sack, you're wondering, are they going to throw a flag on that? And to me, I think that, it's gotten to the point, you know, come week three, the guys know the rules. They know what is and what isn't or what I guess they know what is going to be called. If you if you slam on the quarterback and land on him, it's going to be called a roughing the pass here. So I think we're beyond the point of uh, whether uh, these guys should still be committing these fouls. But I do agree that they're they're egregious. Some of them got in completely ridiculous. You had Ben Roethlisberger was tapped on the helmet. All he had to do was fall <laughs> down and he drew a, a penalty flag. You had Gerald McCoy on a routine uh, rush to the quarterback earlier and that was literally apologizing as he was tackling Ben because he knows, hey, sorry, Ben, like I know I'm not supposed to do this anymore. And I definitely think that it really hurt the Packers when Clay Matthews was called for it against the Vikings. But it is in the rules. It was early in the season, and I think that we're gonna start seeing less of it. I felt like there wasn't as much in Week Four, uh, which was something that the NFL Competition Committee thought would be the case. But it it is one of those things you start to question how far are they gonna go with this?
1: I think we all agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I just think at some point you have to make it clear because I, I still think that the star, the real stars get protected a lot more than some of the lesser known guys
0: yeah um, i think that was a big case with miami dolphins offensive lineman William i was just Hayes, about who, to say that yep.
1: yeah like I, I don't i forgot what the guy's name is but like yeah like he was trying to avoid like the penalty and because of that he tears his acl and is out for the year
0: yeah that's that's definitely unfortunate um so real quickly before we wrap up our nfl segment let's play a game called contenders or pretenders so we have a few teams who didn't make the playoffs last season. There wasn't uh, a whole lot of thought that they would necessarily be playoff contenders among the general consensus, but here they are above 500. So we're going to ask are they truly playoff contenders or are they just pretenders who it's only a matter of time before they're back below 500? So let's start out with the Chicago Bears. Brian, I know you love Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs>
1: I do not. Even though he threw six touchdowns versus the worst defense in the league, yeah. Um, I think their defense is legit. I mean, especially after that Khalil Mack trade. Um, but I'd probably lean pretenders. Even like it's mostly just because of Trubisky. I'm just not a huge believer in him. I know they have good pieces on offense with Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard and uh, the addition of Taylor Gabriel and and uh, Trey Burton, but. I just don't love the quarterback, and that's that's literally the only reason.
2: I'm saying contenders. I like what they got going on there. Mitch Trubisky t- continues to get better, and that defense is legit led by the best defensive player in the league, Khalil Mack.
3: I'm also going to go along the lines of contenders. Um, I'm just going to ride the young quarterback train because I'm all aboard that hype train right now. I think that he could definitely become a real talent, so um, I think they're contenders this year.
0: Yeah, I would have said contenders before Trubisky threw six touchdowns against Buccaneers this weekend, and I'm still going to stick with that. Uh, I think they're in a tough division, but the Packers and the Vikings haven't necessarily looked the greatest to start things out. So uh, I'm going to say that the Bears are still in contention to be this season's Los Angeles Rams. So let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals, also three and one
3: definitely contenders in my opinion uh if you got this offense firing on all cylinders you know in a game or two you're getting Vontae's Burfick back and uh, I pronounced that correctly right i think um and Joe Mixon and I'm yeah and y- you're getting back some players that will really add some to the fire and um and with a team that's going this hot starting off that's putting points on the board a lot um Andy Dalton in previous years has looked like he started to decline but it's not really looking that way anyway or anymore and um I definitely think that they could contend, especially in a division with uh the Ravens and the Steelers, where the Steelers are, you know, kind of off to a slow start and the Ravens are the Ravens. So, you know, I, I think they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs at the very least.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna echo uh Colton here. Sorry, Brian, I'm gonna <laughs> no, okay. uh, echo uh Colton. But uh, but I think the the thing that it hinges on here is Andy Dalton. He's been playing some pretty pretty uh spectacular quarterback lately. Uh, but can he keep that up uh, all season long? That's that's my question. Andy Dalton has been more or less the uh, the mediocre man in the NFL. Plays just good enough where they don't really question who they're gonna play at quarterback. But it's uh, but you you don't really see him be clutch all that often, especially not in the playoffs. But I like the weapons. I like the defensive mentality. But it's all about if Dalton can uh, keep it up.
1: Yeah, ever since Bill Lazor took over as the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, like Andy Dalton's actually been one of the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but actually one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And um, they still don't have Joe Mixon, by the way. Like he after getting injured, and once he comes back, they'll definitely out their offense. Um, I think if you're talking about contender or pretender, I mean to make the playoffs, I would say contender. But I can totally just see them like making the playoffs and then losing again in the in the wild card round.
0: Yeah, as as much as I hate to admit it, I think the Bengals have to be considered contenders right now. I am curious to see uh, how long Dalton's able to keep things up this season, but the fact that Joe Mixon and Burfecht haven't been on the field and they're about to come back soon, uh definitely makes you think that the Bengals can keep that up going forward. And another guy to, another see- guy to mention,
1: uh Tyler Boyd has been tremendous and Yep. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a I true agree. wide receiver um, too in that so- offense. So yep next team miami dolphins we're three uh, and i'm, I'm going nice pass
2: <laughs> yeah i i'm not gonna make any bones about this i think the dolphins are definitely the definition of a pretender uh looking at their record you're like wow you know three three and know to start the season there there's really something i don't <laughs> think so the dolphins are so inconsistent and getting smashed by the patriots the way that they did i think uh just confirms my suspicion that i had at the end of week three um i don't think that the the Dolphins are uh, in any way contenders, pretenders all the way.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say pretenders all the way too. Um, we always see this. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has flashes of greatness and uh, people think that he can really carry the team and start to, you know, carry this offense. They have decent offensive weapons. Um, you know, Kenya Drake looks like he's going to be uh, a good talent at running back, being able to pass or catch the ball as well as run the ball. Um, and it's just every year it happens where, this team shows signs of greatness, and then Peter's out, and uh, I think they're hitting that stretch where they're going to show that they're really not contenders at all right now.
1: They beat the Titans, Raiders, and Jets for their three wins, just to let you guys know. But yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, outside of a few pieces, they're really not that great. I mean, to add what Colton said, like, yeah, Kenyon Drake is like, he's he looks like a guy who can like be effective, like running and catching, but they haven't even utilized him that much. They still like Frank Gore more than Kenyon Drake for God's sake.
2: I don't blame him. I don't blame yeah, him. I like, I like
1: Frank Gore too. I'm all about that. <laughs> he's like he's so old. He should retire.
2: <laughs> I think he's number yeah. four on the all time rushing list now. First ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean I'm not gonna like yeah. <laughs> like disagree, just like like they're using him over Kenyon Drake, who should be their their like probably he's probably their best offensive like weapon right now
2: no agreed it, it's definitely more it says less about frank Gore and definitely says more about the at least their faith in injury yeah
0: yeah yeah you guys i think covered it all i i'm gonna say the dolphins are pretenders if they were a little closer against the patriots this weekend i would maybe consider considering them uh contenders but it's just hard to when you lose that badly so finally let's uh talk about the Washington Redskins. Two and one. They had a bye week four, but before that coming off a win over the Packers.
2: Yeah, I can't believe I I am always thinking it's ridiculous that they have bye weeks this early in the NFL season. But um Corey, we've all been running our mouths. Let's hear you uh <laughs> okay. what do you think about the Redskins? So uh,
0: I know so last time you said the Redskins would be one of the worst teams in football. I said they were going to finish third in the NFC East at seven and nine. And I still think the Redskins are a seven and nine team. They are a pretender. I'm not surprised that they were able to beat the Green Bay Packers in week three, but I don't think that the the Redskins can keep up this play. I mean, week two, they, after uh, looking dominant against the Cardinals in week one, they come out and uh, have a dud game at home against the Colts and give Andrew Luck a, a victory and, when he's not uh, fully a hundred percent, so I think to me uh, the Redskins are going to end up right in that just below five hundred pack that I expected, and they're pretenders.
3: You know, I, uh, I I think they could definitely have a chance to make the playoffs, but uh, I'm gonna have to agree with Corey. Um, it's just with that team and its coaching, we've never been able to see it go that far. I mean, Kirk Cousins only hit a ceiling with them that you know it looks like he's. Might possibly break in Minnesota, albeit after three games. Definitely too early to say that, but um, I definitely think that there's a there's a limit that that team has, and it's definitely uh, making the playoffs and petering out. Um, I don't think they can do much more than that. So in the in the realm of it all with the Super Bowl, they're definitely pretenders.
1: In the Redskins' defense, their their defense has looked a, like much better than I thought it would coming in the year. But yeah, in terms of like you know, contending for a playoff spot, even though it's really just the Eagles that I think are really the strong team in that division. I, I can't get behind them being contenders at all.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like if they had AP five years ago, uh, and they, they might be a contender. Cause I, I like what their defensive mentality is. Um, I, I honestly still like Alex Smith. Um, I think he's at least a competent starter, but, um, I, I just think there's too much competition in that division. Uh despite the Giants slow start, I still think that head to head it could be either one of them, them against the Cowboys, same thing. And I think the Eagles have got their numbers. So I think just even trying to survive their own division, I think they're pretenders.
0: All right. So real quickly before we wrap this up, um let's try to keep this a little brief, but everyone Throw at a team that is uh, 500 or lower to this point in the season. Didn't make the playoffs last year, but you're still going to consider them a contender.
3: Los Angeles Chargers. Number one, plain and simple. When you have Phillip Rivers firing on all cylinders with the offense that they have, Melvin Gordon, uh, their new guy, uh, Eckler, um, backup running back, and, you know, oh gosh, what's the name Allen. from... Uh... Yeah, Keenan Allen, uh, the receiver Melvin Gordon. Mike Williams. Mike Williams, yeah. That was the name I was blanking oh. on. Um <laughs> so every have... offensive
1: weapon except the one you're trying <laughs> to think of. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, when when you have all those guys and you're playing well and eventually you're going to get Joey Bosa back um, from injury and you have a decent pass rush, I think they can definitely make the playoffs. Um, they're definitely a dark horse possibly with uh, how they've looked in recent seasons, but uh, I think the season is the the one that they turned it around.
1: I'm also gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna okay, go. go first, oh, go ahead.
3: <laughs> now, if you're staying with the Chargers,
1: all right. Go ahead. Well, I'm also gonna say the Chargers one, just because I don't believe in any of the other teams that, um, fit that mold. But also, yeah, like the their defenses look so bad without Joey Bosa. I can't believe it makes that much of a difference. But yeah, like I to back on what Colton said, like yeah, their offense they have they have a lot of weapons on that offense. I mean, Keenan Allen's like he's gonna become a huge star in the league and as well as melvin gordon and then yeah austin Eckler is like one of the better like backup running backs in the league he'd probably be a starter on like maybe half the teams not if that um and then yeah mike williams great first round pick about a year ago and he's looking he looks like he looks really good um and tyrell tyrell williams also pretty underrated receiver as well so yeah i, I have to say the chargers
2: I'll go ahead and go next, and I think it's the Texans. And This is just echoing from the last episode my, uh, my prediction of the entire AFC South going undefeated and all four of them winning the Super Bowl. Um, I think Deshaun Watson is, especially after this last game, he's really uh, heating up. He's starting to look like last year's Deshaun Watson. He's got legitimate uh, weapons around him. I'm a little disappointed in Lamar Miller so far, but there's plenty of season left. Uh, and honestly, as long as you got that guy Deshaun Watson, your offense probably is going to score points. And then on defense, they got Whitney Merciless, JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney, all healthy. Those guys can stay healthy all season. They're going to make offensive lines around the league miserable. Uh, so I'm going with the Texans as my, uh, dark. If horse. I was a
3: quarterback and I had to look at JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney staring me down, I'd piss my pants. Plain and simple. <laughs>
1: I think the one you thing know, about I the think... Texans is that their O line though is like one of the worst in the league.
2: But Deshaun Watson's got his mobility. I believe <laughs> yeah, it's in also it. the same
1: thing with Russell yeah. Wilson in Seattle, where like he has to run around everywhere because his offensive line is so bad. It's true. It's tough to win with a bad offensive line, but
0: yeah, I Deshaun th- Watson. <laughs> I think it's easy. Okay, I think it's easy to say the Chargers than the Texans. Those are two teams that I had. Uh, making the playoffs this year but I'm gonna mix it up and go a little bold and I'm gonna say the Dallas Cowboys now I know Dak has looked bad the first three games but week four showed you what the Cowboys are capable of with Ezekiel Elliott in that offense I think it it's taken a little time but they're not far removed from being 14-2. Their offensive line isn't quite the same as it used to be. They have their defensive struggles, but they still have Sean Lee in the middle, and they beat the Lions without him this past week. Their next three games are huge for them. At Houston on Sunday night, and then versus Jacksonville and at Washington. Uh if they come out of that two and five, three and four, i'm ready to yeah, totally back off that but if they're able to survive this next stretch i do think that the eagles aren't quite as good as they were last year and they could be just uh good enough to really compete in the nfc east and sneak into the postseason so i don't
1: know if it, it, <laughs> i don't know about that one it's just like i those were all good points it's just that like whenever the cowboys don't have Sean Lee in their defense i know they won i know they beat Detroit just this past Sunday but uh, man like it's really bad without Sean Lee and then offensively it's literally just Zeke doing everything and um, like I can't believe Dallas didn't do like do enough to address like their needs at wide out I mean like yeah Alan Hearns is, was okay at Jacksonville but I, I don't know I don't, I don't understand why they didn't get Des Bryant back like at a smaller deal they still might they still might Definitely he tweeted possible.
2: today that he would prefer to play for the Dallas Cowboys, but it's, uh, (laughs) he could, I mean, I don't know where he's going to end up.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We've been wondering that for a long time. Uh, but with that, let's move on to our MLB playoffs coverage and Colton. I know that you're running out of time with us, but real quickly, if you want to give us your quick thoughts on your, uh, yeah world series predictions what you're expecting what you think of the atlanta braves Uh, uh, one of your your hometown teams?
3: atlanta's looking hot right now but i can't help but say that the red Sox and the yankees both look dominant and either one of those teams is going to win the world series although i'd love to see atlanta win it and i think that'd be great for the city that's been devoid of championships for a while now and especially with the most recent super bowl collapse uh, it's still fresh in the minds of uh, atlanta fans um it's. It would definitely be great to see Atlanta win this, the um, uh, World Series, but um, I don't know if this year is their year. Maybe one more year for them to gel and really start to hit their stride, which they have started to at the end of this year. Um, I think continuing into the next season, uh, and then they'll have a better chance.
0: All right. So thanks for joining us, Colton. No problem. Thanks uh, well, for having me. Yep. Hey,
2: we'll
3: yeah, go, go Niners. Later. Go
0: Niners. <laughs> R.I.P. Jimmy G. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) R.I.P. Alright, so uh, now for our full um, baseball playoffs preview, let's get things started with the, uh, talking about the the two divisions in the National League that needed to play an extra game on Monday. Uh, That is the Central and the West. Now, Brian, uh, beginning of, this year, when we did our baseball playoff preview, you made fun of me for saying that the Brewers would win the Central <laughs> over the Cubs, but <laughs> here we are with the Brewers as the NL Central champions, and the Cubs set to face the Rockies in the wildcard game.
1: That was the exact thing I was thinking of during that, uh, one, <laughs> that one game playoff they had yesterday for the division. Um, no, the Brewers do look good. Like, yeah, like they have... Christian Yelich, wow, like the MVP of the league, MVP of the, the National League, like for sure. And uh, Lorenzo Kane, Lorenzo Kane had a really clutch hit um, yesterday's game versus uh, the Cubs in the eighth inning. Um, and then they have Josh Hader, who's probably the, in my opinion, the best reliever in, in baseball. So um, I wouldn't say they're the favorite at the National League right now, but um, I would say. After the Dodgers, I would say the Brewers would be my second choice out of the National Yeah,
0: I, I i would agree with that. Uh, I think Christian Yelich is going to win MVP, and he's very deserving of it. Milwaukee looked really good this season. Uh, they added a lot of talent in the offseason. Lorenzo Cain, a guy you just mentioned, he only had like 40 RBIs this season, but he had one of the highest wars in the league because he was so good at defense. Um, I think you know, with a, their their pitching staff, uh, you know, having Josh Hader in the bullpen is definitely going to uh, really help them in the playoffs, knowing he is a guy who can be dominant and you can throw him out there for multiple innings and he can uh, still continue to strike guys out at an insane rate. So he's a, I do he, think that's a huge yeah.
1: asset for their team, especially like in yesterday's game. Like, yeah, he pitched two like really dominant innings and then freaking Joe Madden like had to use like five different pitchers in the last two innings. Yeah. Just to get Yeah, out it's it. the
0: the Cubs are always like that. And uh you know, they they had so many times this season where they just couldn't get through uh their bullpen without having to hand it to position players even. Um and I I don't I think the Cubs rotation is a lot uh more solid than it looked early in the season with um, uh, you know, John Lester is John Lester, especially in the playoffs. And they have Jose Quintana pitching well, and Cole Hamels, who was a uh, surprise after being um, a trade deadline acquisition from the Texas Rangers. So I think everything is pointing to a Milwaukee-Chicago best of five series in the NLDS. And the winner of that, uh, I think, is going to be in good shape. But... (laughs) the Dodgers uh, winning over the Rockies yesterday definitely has them as the uh, National League favorites, in my opinion.
1: No, I completely agree, especially like if I picked them to win the World Series and then they add Manny Machado, who's one of like yep. the few like best players in the game. Like, yeah, absolutely. The Dodgers, even though I don't like the Dodgers, I'm just saying like their team's <laughs> really really
2: good. Just so yeah. I just so I can go without uh having said nothing to this entire segment because I know nothing about baseball. <laughs> the Dodgers though, how has Yasiel Puig been playing?
0: He's been awesome. He uh he's so if they had an all-star team for second half performance, he probably would have made it. And uh yesterday during the uh clubhouse celebration, he guaranteed the Dodgers would go back to the World Series and win it this year. So That make me wow. Yeah, he's riding high. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know no, you're a big puig yeah. guy. Um, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and so with the Dodgers, they they won 92 games, uh, including game 163, but they were expected to win 103 based on their run differential. Uh, I know they got off to a slow start, but like you, I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series, and I think that they will get to the World Series as National League champions this year. And really the the Rockies had a great chance to make a big postseason run if they were able to hold off the Nationals the final uh, weekend series they couldn't get it done as well as they needed to and then lost to the Dodgers yesterday and I think it's going to be a quick exit for a team that had one eight straight going into uh, you know and nine out of ten going into yesterday's game so uh, moving on let's talk about the American League and Brian, you and I are both Red Sox fans. A hundred eight wins, franchise record, and uh, they just keep finding ways to win. It's kind of like twenty thirteen again, in that even when the Red Sox seem like they're totally out of it, they still uh, find a way to end up in the W column.
1: There actually are a lot of similarities to the twenty thirteen team, just because like what you said that they just keep finding ways to win and. Um, like, I remember when they won the World Series uh in twenty thirteen, like coming into that postseason, like there were a lot of talks about like like how bad the bullpen was. Like and it's even worse now. Like mm-hmm. but um if they're gonna win the World Series, it has pretty much has everything to do with their offense and hoping that Chris Sale is healthy.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they're gonna have to ride the offense and they're pitching south. Chris Sale has uh, he has definitely not looked 100%. He, can't, he can barely even throw the ball 90 miles an hour right now. David Price, fantastic second half, but we all know about his history of playoff struggles. His only two wins came as a reliever. His teams are 0-9 in games he started. And if they face, this is Price's time to shine. <laughs> if they face the
1: Yankees in that first series, he better pitch game one or two at home. Yeah,
0: they announced he's going to pitch game two, so he's definitely not going to have to pitch in Yankee Stadium. But even then, I don't know if that's that's gonna be enough for playoff price. So, and I think that that's a big thing that scares me is the pitching staff, uh, both you know, starting with the, the rotation and then all the way down into the bullpen. Even Craig Kimbrell, five blown saves this year. It's uh, there's no one that you can fully trust in that bullpen. So they just gotta hope that their starters, you know, Rick Porcello, um, as well as whether it's David De- Lovaldi or Eduardo Rodriguez who pitches Game Four. And that has me a little hesitant to say that my 108 win Red Sox are going to win the World Series this year, let alone actually even win the American League, because to do that, they'll have to get through the Yankees and either the Astros or the Indians.
1: I think they can beat either Oakland or like whoever they face, Yankees or Oakland, just because, well, one, I don't know, Oakland, I just don't take that seriously. I mean, like, um, I I remember earlier, like in August, when I found out that JD Martinez was in the running for the triple crown. And I noticed that he was like first in average and RBIs. And all of a sudden I see, Oh, he's second in home runs buying Chris Davis. Oh wow. He like Chris Davis of the Orioles. Like, Oh crap. Yeah, it's, no. it's Chris <laughs> Davis of the A's. Like, wow. Jeez. So yeah, yeah. That, that shows you how seriously I take Oakland. Like, even though I probably should take him more seriously, if especially if they beat the Yankees, but yeah, like yeah. New York, I just, yeah, their roster is good with, especially with judge back now. And, and Stanton, but it's just, it's just not the same team as last year. Like they're just like, it's, it's really a managerial thing more than anything. Like I, I don't, I definitely didn't agree with the idea of firing uh, Joe Girardi and then bringing in Aaron Boone, who's never even had any uh, managerial experience like in, at any level. So um, I just think they're just not the same. They just don't have the same focus as they did last year. So I would still take the Red Sox, but I mean, you never know. Like, the Yankees like they were I had I had the Indians like for sure beating them in, in the divisional series last year and then they end up coming back from mm-hmm. uh down 2-0 and winning so never know in the postseason.
0: Yeah. I I think I've I've been dismissing the Yankees as a great team because of how big of a lead the Red Sox built over them. But the Yankees still won 100 games and you know it I, I, think, I think that the I, Red I Sox I think the
1: the 100 win thing like for the yankees red sox and astros i think it's just more of the fact that like they're also like te- there are also three teams that lost 100 games oh the, yeah i american
0: agree league. it was definitely uh really bad teams in the american like, league um yeah I, no I, I i totally agree with that i think
1: uh teams are starting to realize that like if your team's not like a contender at all for winning a world series like they're just going to tank as much as possible like if you look at um the Astros roster, like after winning the World Series like last year, like a lot of their like rosters filled with first round picks. I mean, George Springer was a first round pick in 2011. uh Correa was the number one overall pick the ne- the year right after, and uh Alex Bregman was a first round pick like just a few years later. And um, and then like think about also the Cubs that won the World Series two years ago, like Javier Baez, Almora, Chris Bryant um Kyle Schwarber like all those guys are first round picks as well so teams are really starting to realize that the way to win like it's like it's almost getting close like to how to to build a team like in the NBA where you got to tank as much as possible Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah the Astros are definitely a winning formula and the fact that Altuve and Correa didn't even have a great season for them this year and they still won 105 games Houston to me, they still have to be considered the. the, I, think the, fav- as the I think they're the I think they're the favorite
1: to win. Like even though they'll probably be the popular choice, like, like from B-Riders, like I would, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Like the choice, like they're they have the best pitching staff in my opinion. In like starting yeah. or well, like the combination of the, the starting pitching and the relief pitching, like still so still have-
0: their bullpen definitely had has some questions. yeah like the the, uh, the starting adding, adding Roberto the, Azuna. Yeah. Uh, The starting rotation is much better
1: than their bullpen, but yeah,
0: with Justin Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, yeah, Garrett uh, Cole, Garrett Cole, yeah, Yeah, arguably three best pitchers in the Charlie Morton has been, has had, (laughs) yeah, Charlie Morton. Oh, yeah, it's Um, former Pirate. He barely was a starter for them, and he's phenomenal in Houston. I kind of wonder if Um, he
1: would be in the rotation or if they would put him in the bullpen or not. I mean, last year he closed out the the series like in Game Seven, yeah, to win the World Series. So I wonder if they would keep him in the rotation, or if they have enough guys to just put him in the bullpen. The
0: the Astros certainly have a lot of options, Um, and uh, you know, I just I think it's gonna be tough. Uh, One thing having the Red Sox having home field advantage if they survive, either the Yankees or the A's, and uh, face the Astros in the ALCS, I think that could be big. But um, I think the Astros are more the, than the capable two, of overcoming that
1: Cleveland and Houston are really the two teams that I'm worried about but luckily they don't have to face either of them in the divisional well, series I mean
0: Cleveland yeah Cleveland has a lot of parallels to the the Dodgers and that they really struggled this season out of the gates but they're still a super talented team and even though they won 90 91 games this year uh they were they could have easily won 100 based on their run differential I'm, I'm
1: pretty surprised they didn't win like over 100 games with that bad of a division like I think second place didn't even finish 500
0: no no the twins won 78 and 84 they came in second place and fired their manager so
1: another underrated Uh, thing about Cleveland is the adding Donaldson Josh Josh Donaldson yeah yeah
0: and that's that's one of those kind of sneaky moves they made with him hurt all season but I do think that the Indians are a team that you can't overlook but I don't think they're going to beat the Astros in the first round. I think that could easily be an ALCS matchup, but they're going to have to face each other in the ALDS. And uh, it'll take the Indians' bats to have to uh, outpower that Houston pitching. And Cleveland themselves, I think, what, they were four 200 strikeout pitchers this year? That's crazy. So, yeah, 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 they're, they're looking like they could be really good. But... I think it's it's just uh a little too late for them, and it's just some unfavorable matchups early on, so we'll see though yeah um Definitely. and then uh, we have touched on the A's a little bit uh chris Davis <laughs> so chris <laughs> Davis hit two forty seven <laughs> for the fourth straight season the first That's, player yeah, I, I heard yeah that. in MML MLB history to have the exact same batting average four consecutive years, which crazy to me um Matt Chapman is one of the better defensive players in all of baseball, as well as being a great hitter. Their rotation is certainly suspect, but their bullpen is good enough that they don't need their starters to last more than three innings to be able to win games in the playoffs. Uh, Having uh, Blake Trinan, their closer, is an MVP candidate, and they added Juris Familia and Fernando Rodney, who could be (laughs) closers on other MLB teams.
1: (laughs) I can't believe Fernando Rodney is still going.
0: (laughs) yeah <laughs> so yeah o- oakland i th- i think if they survive the yankees then they're a team that you know they i think they're a lot better than uh you seem to think they yeah are. i just but i just can't I, take
1: it seriously when jed lowry the fifth is like one of the, in the best one of their best players when he was like as mediocre as it gets <laughs> when he was in in boston
0: yeah yeah no it's i think that the uh the a's would be in much better shape if they were in the national league but being in the American League, having to go through New York and then Boston I mean, and then either Houston or Cleveland, that just that's gonna be too yeah, much for them. I agree. Uh, and then finally, Colin did talk about the Braves a little bit. I think that the Braves are a year too early. Uh, awesome success story for them winning the division, but I don't see them putting up much of a fight against the Dodgers. When they the, when they the winning NLDS. when
1: when they were winning like all those divisions like in the early two thousands, like they would always make the division around series and then just and then just lose like no matter what lose
0: lose losing four games in the nlds every year exactly i mean so
1: but but you are right like they are an up-and-coming team with uh Mm -hmm. swanson and um and then freddie freeman and mick markega is leading leading their offense
0: yeah yep um i think that the braves have a chance to be the next uh cubs and astros but
1: i just can't say it this year
0: no, no, definitely we're, we're looking at twenty nineteen, twenty twenty for them to be a real World Series contender. So I know we've kind of talked about our our predictions as we've gone through this, but let's just, uh Brian, who do you who do you see in the World Series and who you got winning?
1: Um, I'm gonna say the exact same thing as last year: the Astros and Dodgers and the Astros winning. But if that's like too popular of a choice, like if <laughs> <laughs> if you want like more contrarian picks i i like cleveland like as a good contrarian option at the american league i mean i mean they are great but like they have the probably arguably the worst matchup to start out the the postseason and then the national league even though i did laugh at you i I took a big l for that one (laughs) yeah Uh, i i do like how milwaukee uh finished out the year like winning like nine of their last 10 games and um like and then beating the Cubs yesterday, so they're. De- I, I I like them. If it's not, the, yeah, I, if it's not the Dodgers. Yeah, I'd say the Brewers.
0: I I agree with the Astros Dodgers pick. Um, as much as I want to say the Red Sox, I just have a hard time buying into them, and I just feel like they'd be too much of a homer pick. And I don't want people to stop listening to this podcast because I pick my favorite teams to win all the time. So i'm gonna say the astros and the dodgers but i think the dodgers get revenge on Houston and they win the first world series uh in their their team um since 1988 30 long years and la finally champs again yeah that make me look but... stupid
1: if i pick the dodgers <laughs> to win the world series in march and then now i pick the astros and then the dodgers end up winning so yeah i look pretty stupid yeah. after yeah. that but i'm
0: gonna stick with so that. i do think yeah the the uh the Indians and Brewers is a good contrarian pick. Uh, ben, do you have any thoughts if you had to pick uh, the World Series this year?
2: Oh well, I thought Yasiel Puig already guaranteed that the. Oh yeah. The so why? Are why know? are so we Obviously, even yes, I'm going. Like back. we might, just yeah. Pencil in the
1: Dodgers. Put our put all of our bank accounts in the Puig uh, in the Dodgers wing. The yeah. whole thing. <laughs> World all Series right. MVP so, yeah. too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's gonna be batting a hundred. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah all all of his hits will be home runs (laughs) pimping out a celebration
2: (laughs) just to um just to continue on my ignorance of baseball i actually googled um dallas keichel because i i thought that was such an interesting name and uh (laughs) look at the beard on (laughs) keichel i uh i may have found the second MLB player that I'm going to become a fan of. This guy had an got, outrageous
1: You got to see Charlie Blackman's on the Orioles. Oh, not the Orioles. The Rockies. Why the Rockies. did I say Orioles? Yeah. I don't know why I said that.
2: Charlie what? Blackman?
1: Yeah, Charlie Blackman. Oh! <laughs> oh, dang! I think he might have Keiko beat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, and then w- w- one more that you got to look at. It's not baseball. Like, um... If you ever heard of Brent Burns on San Jose, the San Jose Sharks, you got to see Brent Burns. Let's see. It's the beard and the teeth that make it great. Ice hockey. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is this guy? Did this guy used to be on Duck Dynasty? I think I've seen him before. I think maybe. (laughs) That is amazing. Oh, my gosh. I I love it. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh yeah, wow. so that was um our baseball. Yeah, that was our baseball talk. radio. Like, oh look at yeah. Brent Burns' beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um so alright. Uh now we're we're wrapped up with baseball and next Monday is Columbus Day. So in honor of uh Christopher Columbus, the great Italian explorer who uh made a trip to India and turned out to be the West Indies in the Caribbean and accidentally discovered the the new world, uh, we are going to break down our uh, the the greatest mistakes ever made in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right. So top five greatest mistakes ever made. And Ben, why don't you get started with your number five?
2: Okay, I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible because this is not truly a top five. It's a top 15, kind of. So <laughs> just uh, so we'll try to get through it uh, in a reasonable amount of time. So my number five, Steven Gerrard's slip against Chelsea in April of 2014. So with three games left in the season, Liverpool faced their rivals, Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool had gone on an 11-game winning streak and were five points ahead of Chelsea, three points clear of Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City had a game in hand. So, basically, uh, Liverpool owns their own destiny here. Uh, The seminal moment for Gerrard's career, the title race came as... uh, And the seminal moment for Gerrard's career and the title race came uh, as the half was ending in injury time. Uh, Gerrard miscontrolled a pass from Mamadou Sacco and slipped trying to rectify the mistake, the the famous slip. Uh, It allowed Demba Ba of Chelsea... To latch onto the ball and run through unopposed and open in and open the scoring just as the half ended one nil. Uh, Chelsea ended up winning that game and uh, th- just we'll quickly flash back to two weeks earlier uh, when Liverpool had a dramatic three two win over ch- uh, over Manchester City where Gerrard was quoted saying, "We do not let this slip." And the <laughs> ultimate cruel irony. Uh, as City went on to win their remaining fixtures and win the title, Steven Gerrard, regarded as one of the most legendary football players to ever play for Liverpool, never won the league, and uh, he'll always oh, be remembered man. for his infamous slip. <laughs>
1: All,
0: right.
2: Wow. All right,
1: I'll go next. My uh, At number five, I have the gender uh, wildfire, and you have, if you have no idea what that is... Um, I don't. So... You know, whenever a uh, husband and wife, like they're expecting expecting a child, like some some couples, they'll do a thing where if uh,
3: gender, reveal, yeah,
1: gender reveal, if something, yeah. if it comes out blue, it's a boy. And if it comes out pink, it's a girl. So I found out literally today that a man in Tucson, Arizona, uh, a Border Patrol agent, he accidentally started a fire shooting a target filled with the color substance and it caused a fire of over forty seven thousand acres. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Huh. And because of it he had he pleaded guilty this past Friday, literally this past Friday, causing huh. the sawmill fire. And it caused more than eight million dollars in damage oh <laughs> man i hope it was and there, worth it. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it probably wasn't and there <laughs> there are nearly 800 firefighters working to you know take out the fire and it's just oh my god it, and he said it was the worst wow. day of his life i can only imagine yeah probably yeah. the worst day yeah yeah i don't know what else yeah, would be worse than that <laughs> you always
0: you see gender Uh, reveal videos gone wrong all the time they really end in uh, eight million dollar losses and damages (laughs) so So, yeah i
1: I just i had i had to bring that one up (laughs) that's
0: yeah that's a great great one uh great number five um so my number five is my only sports reference here in the top five um and uh there are a lot of bad trades in the history of sports but this one i'm going to point out in particular because uh, I think it's one that we're we're still seeing some of the effects to today, and it's just it's it's insane how a team could uh have this turnaround essentially overnight. So uh 1989, Dallas Cowboys were in the midst of a terrible season, on their way to one and fifteen. They had uh very little hope for the future. All they had was their star running back, Herschel Walker. So head coach Jimmy Johnson decides, I'm gonna trade Walker, we're gonna try to uh, you know, get get some draft picks built for the future and hope that we can somehow be better in the next few years. So uh, he tells GMs, hey, we're thinking about trading Walker. He's ready to make a deal with the Cleveland Browns. But he says, I'm going to give the Vikings GM a call and says, hey, look, if you, uh, you know, we're going to trade Walker to the Browns. If you give us players, draft picks, conditional picks, uh, some compensation, Walker's all yours. And the Vikings GM says, all right, yeah, let's do it. So the trade ends up being the Cowboys get five players from the Vikings. They get um, three first round picks, three second round picks, a third and a sixth. The Vikings get Walker, two thirds and a tenth round pick. And San Diego gets involved. The Chargers get running back Darren Nelson, who is a guy who originally went was going to go from um, Minnesota to Dallas. But the Cowboys traded him to get one of the conditional picks, which was all uh contingent on the cowboys cutting those players and johnson said hey we don't want these players we want the picks so uh after cutting one of them and deciding to bench the rest of them the vikings are like all right fine you can have the conditional picks so that's how the cowboys ended up with all these picks and of those picks they got the cowboys turned those picks into emmett smith darren woodson and russell maryland effectively building the dynasty that was the 1990s Dallas Cowboys who 3 years later won the 1992 Super Bowl and then again in 93 and 95. Meanwhile, the Vikings with Walker went 10 and 6 in 1989, lost in the divisional round to the 49ers, and then Walker couldn't stay healthy, wasn't productive, 6 and 10 in 1990, 8 and 8 in 1991, and then was released, and the Vikings are still looking for their franchise's first Super Bowl and to me just the, the ramifications of plating trading for a superstar player and having it totally backfire on you like that while also giving the Cowboys three super bowls is just unreal to me
2: way too many eggs in one basket there
0: yes yeah way way too much given up for this one guy
2: okay so um on to round uh, the the round of 4 my number 4 is <laughs> La La Land blowing a 3-1 lead to Moonlight at the 89th Academy Awards. So that reference, uh, obviously, to when the Golden State Warriors blew a 3-1 lead to the Cavs, uh, should tell you about the time period this was, if you can't remember exactly which Academy Awards were on. But Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, I think is how I mean, you say
1: it? Is it guys? Beattie yep. or is it Beatty?
2: Beatty? I, don't, I think it's Beatty. That sounds right. Warren yeah. Beatty uh, and Faye Dunaway were presenting the Academy Award for Best Picture. This is the big one. Uh, Beatty suspected something was wrong, um, at, so he was kind of lingering on it, and Faye Dunaway's like, oh, you're impossible. Snatches the the envelope from him, and sa- she says, La La Land into the uh, microphone. Everybody goes crazy. Everybody involved in La La Land you know, pour onto the stage, uh, and then Jordan Ho- Horowitz, I think he is the he's either the director or producer. Somebody big time involved with that movie uh, is famous for saying, "I'm sorry, there's been a mistake." Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture, and he holds it up, and it says Moonlight. Uh, Totally embarrassing moment for the Academy Awards, which you could argue was actually good publicity for them. But I'm pretty sure everyone already knows about the Academy Awards. Uh, But huge mistake, and uh, definitely was the most memorable thing from that year's award show
1: my favorite part about that whole thing was there was one i don't know if it was a producer or whatever but one of the guys who was giving his speech on like thanking everybody like after they won after they won quote-unquote best picture (laughs) um he's listening behind him on like what's actually going on so right before that other guy you just said like um explain the situation he just goes on the microphone's like oh yeah we lost by the way (laughs) so i love that but yeah like to say that was a publicity stunt, like I've heard the conspiracy theory that um because the movies weren't so great that year, um that they decided to like purposely mess it up so the Oscars would get more attention. Um that was just one theory I heard.
2: I don't know. I like La La Land, but um and I'm sure Moonlight's good, but definitely a big mistake.
1: Alright, so for my number four, I went with the Titanic sinking. Um, it's crazy looking into, like, how, um, like, how it sunk that hit, like, an iceberg and, like, how the ship wasn't built well enough to take that sort of damage and, like, the lookout crew didn't have, like, binoculars or whatever and, um, and then, like, there weren't enough, like, lifeboats to, like, help, like, rescue everybody and, like, I think that over... Three quarters of the people that were on the ship um, ended up um, dying from falling from the boat or freezing to death. And I don't. It, it the Titanic movie is a really great movie. Uh, if you guys have ever seen it, but whenever yes. I watch it, I just feel like it, it's just like all the girls, they like all the women, they live like all the guys die in the movie. Like i know if I was well, on that sh-
0: Women and Children First. Yeah, like you know?
1: I know if I was on that ship, I wouldn't be the one of the people being saved. I'd be the guy who like falls off the ship and then like hits the propeller and does like that like <laughs> 1080 in the air or whatever. Like I know I'd be that dude if I was in that mo- <laughs> if I was yeah. on that ship. All
0: right. <laughs> so, I'll uh, I'll have more on the Titanic later. Uh but my number 4 is the Challenger disaster. And the biggest reason why I include this one over uh, a lot of similar events is because it involved the death of Chris McAuliffe, who is a schoolteacher from Concord, New Hampshire, uh, which is the capital of the state where Brian and I are from. So this was January 28th, 1986, going to have this big, big uh, mission, first schoolteacher in space, 73 seconds into the flight, it explodes, killing all the passengers on board while... One out of every six Americans was watching on live TV. So turns out after the investigation that the accident was caused by faulty O-rings. Just these tiny little O-rings. That's all it took to cause this huge disaster. And uh, the the cold weather outside, uh, this was in Florida, but it was January. It was like 36 degrees out. It was a lot colder than uh, previous flights. And uh, that was thought to play a factor. And the big thing with these O-rings, so Morton Thiokol was the company that designed them and NASA engineers had determined back in 1977, uh, almost a decade before the disaster that these O-rings were faulty and they'd never address them. So it was a really unfortunate disaster that easily could have been avoided. And it all <laughs> this huge rocket ship all came down to these tiny little O-rings and, uh, really sad how it costs the lives of some great, great people and some, some hopeful astronauts.
2: Yeah. I mean, SpaceX makes it look easy, but these astronauts are really <laughs> out there. You know, the, 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 the first ones were really risking it going up in the space. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, on to number three and I've got Steve Harvey pranks, miss universe. Uh, and I say pranks cause that's more of an H3, H3 reference. It was definitely a big mistake. <laughs> uh on steve harvey's part uh miss universe 2015 i'm sure you remember it uh miss columbia ariadna gutierrez was announced by steve harvey as miss universe she she had one and two about two and a half minutes go by she's standing there she's got the flowers she's got the crown she's got the sash uh the, the audience is going crazy you know she's got tears she can't believe it. She's done it. She won. Uh, and then, two, like I said, two and a half minutes later, here comes Steve Harvey. Okay, folks, I have to apologize. <laughs> he had totally gotten it wrong. M- misreading, they even showed the card. It was very clear who the winner was supposed to be. Uh, and the real winner was actually Miss Philippines, Pia Alonzo Wurzbach, I believe is her name, uh, she was the real winner. Uh, and there actually is kind of a happy ending to this. Steve Harvey continues to host Miss Universe to this very day. Uh, he somehow is able to retain that gig. Yeah. Um, so no matter what, if you ever make a big mistake, just remember
1: you can come back from it, as Steve Harvey yep. has proven. I mean, he, he as long as he's still on Family Feud, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for my number three, I went with the um, Steve Bartman um foul ball incident and if I'm sure Corey knows all about that incident. Yep, but yep. for anyone who I don't yeah, for Ben or who else <laughs> for anyone else who doesn't know about the Steve Bartman uh foul ball incident. Back in two thousand three, um game six of the NLCS, the Cubs and Marlins were facing each other and the Cubs were up three to two in the series with five outs left for them to advance to the World Series. And in the top of the eighth Um, a foul ball was hit in the left field where um, Moises Alou, the left fielder at the time for the Chicago Cubs, had a chance to make the play. And unfortunately, Steve Barman and 10 other people, by the way, were trying to reach for the foul (laughs) ball like anyone anyone else would. And unfortunately, it landed in his hands and that caused Moises Alou to, um, you know... You know, get pissed after not being able to make the play, and his frustration led to Steve Bartman getting just booed at by every single Cubs fan in the building. And after that play, the Marlins went on like eight-run, like lead, like eight to two lead, I think in that inning. I'm not sure if that was exactly. Yeah, eight, score. eight to three. I think was eight the final. To three. Okay, yeah, like yeah, and because of that, um all the fans, whether they were in the building or not, and like just straight up blamed this guy for what happened. And, um, it was a, un, un, luckily they, for them, they won the world series 13 years later, but for Steve Bartman at that time must've been like a horrible situation. And what's crazy is that like, oh yeah. um, if you watch the catching hell 30 for 30, um, episode of, of that incident, um, a sports illustrated writer, um, Like, his assignment, like, days later was to find him, to find Steve Bartman, (laughs) like, at his work or whatever. Can you imagine just being Steve Bartman and going to work? Like, I wouldn't go to work the next day. Can you imagine just going to work and then, like, your buddies are just like, so, Steve... Say on TV last night. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, he's he's you, been in you hiding. You for, effed for, up, man. Like, what happened?
0: Yeah, wow. that sounds yeah. awful. No, it's 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 horrible. Like what that did to his life, and I you mean, know, of all the franchises, that to happen to it had to be the Cubs. You know,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So, okay, so my number three um is the the Titanic sinking. So I know Brian already touched this, but the crew ignored six iceberg warnings. So it's not like this is something that totally came out of nowhere uh, beyond the fact that they said this. So it's not was, like the movie the is what ship you're was saying. unsinkable. <laughs> yep. And uh, so just one, one thing. So this is a quote from the Titanic captain Edward Smith in 1907. I could not imagine any condition that would cause a ship to, t- to founder. <laughs> Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that and that was five years before the titanic that he captain sunk so yeah really uh
1: that was a more <laughs> professional way ship, of yeah. describing that incident than than i did <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it just uh, you know it, it's just a, a a crazy story that you hear about with a <laughs> it's an unsinkable ship and then didn't didn't have enough uh life life uh boats a ignored warnings uh, apparently uh of that came out was a guy who was in controlling the runner rudder panicked and actually moved it in the wrong direction and there's a possibility that the titanic could have actually missed the iceberg with feet to spare if he didn't do that um so yeah wait if
1: he uh... if he just went in a different direction yeah.
3: So that's like so that's a. So you're saying a, he like pulled a, a report, Forrest
1: Gump and then just like went right when he was told to go left? And then <laughs> yes. yeah, he like he corrected himself.
0: It was <laughs> too late, kind of deal. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the there's no proof that actually race. happened. Yes. Yep. All
2: right. Okay. Uh, we are almost there, folks. We're on to number two, and uh, for me, this one was actually the first thing I thought of when I was compiling this list. The Trojan horse. So, long time ago, we got the Trojan War, right? The Greeks are sieging the city of Troy. It's a 10-year fruitless siege. Troy is absolutely impenetrable. Uh, The Greeks uh, decided to try something new. They constructed a giant wooden horse, and they hid a select force of soldiers on the inside. Then the Greeks pretended to quit. They packed uh, packed it up, got back on their boats, and sailed away, Uh, and the Trojans thought they'd won it all. They uh, saw the horse left there, and they pulled it in. This is a token of their victory. Uh, They pulled it inside the city (laughs) and celebrated the end of the siege. That night, the Greek force that was hidden inside crept out and opened the gate, and guess what? The rest of the Greek army didn't go home. They turned around in the middle of the night, sailed back, and entered the city of Troy in the dark of night, destroying the city (laughs) and ending the war. Uh, So as a a huge misstep by the uh, Trojans there to let that horse in a uh, one that we'll never let them forget.
0: <laughs> no, uh, there's actually like, so I, apparently that might not have actually happened, but I think it's fun to think that it did. And regardless, that's definitely a, a huge mistake on, on their <laughs> part. So
2: next time I see a Trojan, I'm definitely going to let them know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for my number two, I went with the, Brooklyn Nets trade with the Boston Celtics, trading uh future uh draft picks uh for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, like basically near the end of their careers. I mean, like, um, at the time, like, yeah, it made you would think it makes sense to trade for those guys, like, to build to win a championship when they had, um, when their best players were Darren Williams and and Joe Johnson, but it ended up, um. Like being a complete disaster, and then because they were so bad, the 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 draft picks ended up being like really great for the Celtics, and and because of that, they ended up getting, uh, Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, and and then in a trade, um, for Kyrie Irving, and now it looks like the Celtics have not only a bright future but poss- a possible dynasty as long as Kyrie Irving does not leave possibly for the Knicks <laughs> and if if he does continue his career there i mean that's and wins multiple championships i mean that that trade could end up being one of the worst trades in just in sports not just nba history but in the history of
0: time so certainly has the yeah certainly has the potential to become the herschel walker trade of the nba yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so my number two is invading russia in the winter And it's not just one guy who did this. There are multiple cases, starting with uh, Charles XII of Sweden in 1707. It was the most brutal winter of the 18th century, wiped out half of his troops, and then within two years, they lost a battle in Russia. And that was ultimately what led to the fall of the Swedish Empire. Then Napoleon tried it in 1812, and he was not successful. It resulted in the collapse of his grand army and uh two years later he was exiled in elba and really was the the downfall of his career and then finally operation barbarossa 1941 adolf hitler says we're going to invade russia in june this will be a quick uh quick defeat for the soviets and we're not gonna have to worry about winter well he wasn't quite as successful as he expected. And next thing you know, the the Nazis were fighting in uh, Russian winter, wearing their summer clothing. And really, this is a huge turning point for the Third Reich. It opened up the Eastern Front, which uh, had the most forces in war history, led to some of the most most, uh, brutal battles, uh, losses of casualties, and uh, lots of blood. And really, that was uh, Hitler trying to take over the Soviets, and it was the, uh, the beginning of the end for, for the Nazis and ultimately Adolf Hitler.
2: When will they learn?
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so we are on to our number ones, and uh, Brian and I actually have a, uh, we share our number one biggest uh, mistake in history, which I'm so glad to hear that uh, someone who is, isn't doing this just for Homerism has it as their number one. I uh, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. It was not handing the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the goal line, and uh, I specifically loved this mistake because it's against my rival team, the C- the Seahawks, are one of the big rivals of the Niners. Um, but it was uh, it was absolutely spectacular and probably for my, my uh, the biggest football gaffe I know of. Brian, do you want to supplement me here? No, it
1: was the worst decision of all time, just in anything. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with real world stuff, like that was the worst thing that ever happened. I mean, it was great for so, great for me, but like great yeah, for yeah, no, and for, I'm that's actually that's a good great, point because you are a Patriots great, great fan. for <laughs> great for fans everywhere around here, but and
2: yeah, so um, so with 26 seconds remaining in Super Bowl 49, Seattle had the ball on the New England one yard line, uh, and it's. Second and goal, okay? This isn't do or die yet. They have plenty of chances.
1: You also and, um, they... you also have one of the best running backs in football, um, who needs one yard, and I don't care what defensive line like you're facing, you need one yard and you have that guy as your running back. And, this and is even, Marshawn even even if you don't give it the running back, you have a guy in Russell Wilson who can just run the read option and like try to get it in himself. And you still have another timeout left. And even if they did, well, obviously they end up throwing it, but you could also throw it to the, to the, like, you know, out of bounds or whatever. That way um, it doesn't get picked off and it stops the clock. And then for third down and fourth down, you have time to really think about like your place. So yeah, it's Marshawn
2: Lynch is still dragging entire piles of football players into the end zone to this day. So to not hand it to him in the most important game of the year, uh, is absolutely unforgivable. Instead of going back to back, the Seattle Seahawks became the laughing stock of the offseason and maybe all time. So that is
1: And ever and ever since that play, like they've gone they've declined slowly every, year by year. And now that they don't have Sherman, they don't have Cam Chancellor anymore, they I mean the, now, now, gone, now they don't, to, to cap it off, they're only like one of their only good players on defense breaks his leg and flips off the other team <laughs> or flips yep. off his team and the front office.
2: <laughs> so maybe, so what you're saying is this maybe started the whole collapse? <laughs>
1: yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, uh, yeah. So,
2: yeah, the Seahawks oh, yeah. suck. yeah That's our number I one. I agree. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in the in the sports world I definitely think that uh you'll be hard pressed to find a greater mistake than that, especially looking at the fallout from Seattle since it happened. But my number one is a a big piece of political and war history. So June twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen. Uh Franz Ferdinand and so he's the Archduke of Austria Hungria, the heir to the throne. Him and his wife are uh, They're making a a trip into um, Bosnia and specifically the capital of Sarajevo uh, for some kind of meeting. Um, I think it was some some kind of avenge plot on them. I don't know exactly uh, what they were doing there other than some kind of relations. And while on their way, there were multiple cars. There was his car and there were uh, some of his like his people and terrorists threw a grenade that Ferdinand and his car were able to avoid but the people in the back were were injured by it so Ferdinand's really upset he does and takes goes and takes care of his business and uh, afterwards he's like all right I want to go visit my friends in the hospital so he has his driver take him to the hospital now unfortunately his driver takes a wrong turn and to uh, try to correct himself, he goes in reverse and backs up five feet away from Gavrilo Princip. And Princip was a Serbian terrorist who was in awe with the opportunity he had and took advantage of it by shooting Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie, which ultimately started World War I and changed the 20th century and the modern world as we know it all could have been avoided had france ferdinand's driver taken the right turn originally and gone to the hospital
1: i like how uh so. cory went with actual real world problems and ben and i went with <laughs> award show mistakes and like wildfires and like bad trades sports yeah sports <laughs> yeah. sports award shows and like fires wow i um that i
2: actually didn't know that it was that much of like a chance thing for that yeah mode. i didn't I know, know that either i never, I never As, realized uh, that either.
0: Gavrilo gavrillo princip yeah Gavrilo i'd always... princip. yeah he just yep.
2: basically spoiled what could have been a potential future of top five which is luckiest terrorists
1: of all time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> yeah. That would. I feel like that'd be a really short list. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he'd be at the yeah. top of it. There's no doubting that. Wow, I, I,
2: that's a pretty good number one, Cory.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, I think World War, I and, uh, I think World War happened, One though, and like not, not, than, yeah. the, I think World War One and a little more important. Yeah, I
1: think World War One is Seahawks, a little bit but... bigger of a problem than uh, not running a football <laughs> into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but all right
0: <laughs> so that that's all we have for you today um before we wrap things up so the in the past two weekends we went from tiger woods winning his first tournament in five years to being a uh, detriment to the u.s national or the u.s Ryder cup team and ultimately europe won brian is tiger back
1: absolutely yeah i didn't i wasn't i wasn't buying into it um, early in the year, but he's proven enough that he's totally back. Even though he hasn't won a major, I mean, he's in the Open Championship. He was the a, a sole leader with like only like few holes to go to go and uh, and then in the U.S. Open. It, if it wasn't for Brooks Kepka like he would have won the or not U.S. Open, the PGA, PGA. Championship, PGA Championship. Yeah. Brooks Kepka won both though, but um, and then to win the tour championship after everything he's been through is absolutely incredible, even though he didn't win the FedEx cup, but if he keeps up this pace, he's totally back and he can absolutely win a major next year, wherever it is.
0: All right. I agree that Tiger's back. I told Brian that we were going to talk about this and then scratch it last minute. So I thought I'd give him his chance to talk. now. <laughs> so. Hey man, I think we all
2: saw the videos on social media of the people following Tiger after he was like walking off the course. Uh, I guess after he won. So yeah, dude, Tiger. Yeah. I love the picture
1: yes. of um after he finished uh his round, the the final round at the PGA championship. Um Brooks Kepka's girlfriend like just gives him like the dirtiest look at Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> like that's when you knew he was back, when all the ladies were going after him. <laughs> nice.
0: Alright, you guys have anything to leave us with?
2: No, thanks for
1: listening. Uh go, nice. go Red Sox, even though they'll bullpen yes. and blow it. <laughs> Go Red
0: Sox. Thanks, everyone.